0: good morning this is father toby live from the london studio with uh, questions of faith on this uh, Friday the 9th of September, um, and in this time we we continue to to pray for the repose of the soul of the, the Queen. We pray for our new King Charles, and and we pray for, for 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 our country and for for all who who grieve the Queen and and all those countries in the in the Commonwealth. Grant, Lord, we pray that as our faith is built on the risen Christ, so too may our hope be steadfast as we await the resurrection of your servant Elizabeth from the dead. through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. So our first question this morning goes as follows. I was brought up in the 70s and 80s, and I'm seeing something odd happen. Young priests who have gone back to wearing a cassock rather than trousers and a shirt I don't believe that this is any more a countercultural witness than the more now traditional style of dress. Surely the dog collar is enough of a signal that you are a priest and particularly a Catholic priest. Do our young priests, and they are a blessing to us, do they want to go backwards? Is it a sign of youthful zeal that will mature in time? Um, so a really fascinating uh, question. Um, when I when I studied at the Angelicum in Rome, it was interesting to to see with the the different countries, um, the the way that the sort of priests, uh, well, the, the largely seminarians, um, dressed in the and the sort of different uh, religious orders, and you know, some were far more likely to wear casual clothes, and uh, and others to to wear religious dress, and some more likely to wear cassocks, and a lot of this stuff seemed sort of quite strongly entrenched in in the culture of the country but one uh, one sort of personal observation that, that is just personal to me is that you know sometimes i wear sort of clericals and um so the the you know black trousers black shirt and and the, and the dog collar um particularly when i was uh very busy in in the in the hospital and uh but more normally i would be in in the habit and you get into conversations with strangers when you're in both, but I would say that that a lot more conversations happen when I'm when I'm in the in the habit. Um sometimes you you're conscious that somebody's staring at you a little bit on the uh, on the on the on the bus or the or the train. Um and I think the habit just seems to provoke curiosity sort of beyond the, the sort of the threshold that British Reserve um sort of beyond the threshold of uh, British reserve being the dominating factor and where curiosity takes over. So I would say I end up in a lot more conversations when I'm in the habit than when I'm in clericals. One other thing that I was thinking about and maybe explain some of the, the sort of reaction um was one of the reasons why perhaps more young priests are wearing the casso I've been reading a book at the moment about Charles Taylor's the the secular um age and and he looks back to sort of Christendom and uh, and, and and seeks to examine sort of what what changed Um, from sort of Christendom to now such that unbelief became uh, sort of possible. And he speaks about the inherent sort of tension within in Christendom of the sort of priests and monks and and nuns as being sort of real signs of the the supernatural vocation in the world, the sort of the butcher, the baker, the the candlestick maker in the what we might call secular um, professions. And spoke of this sort of tension that was inherent um, within Christendom of of everybody realizing that the that that heaven was their ultimate end, um, but that you know most of the population has to sort of get on with what we might call the the, the secular or the or the temporal professions, and not everybody um, is either called or can or can be a, a monk, a nun, or a priest. But there's this sort of Tension that that exists um, within that, and uh, and sometimes a, a, a mistaken idea that it's only the, the the religious who are called to called to become holy. And he speaks about uh, various reform movements, and not exclusively the, the the Reformation. Although the Reformation would be the sort of the dominant one of those movements, which seek to sort of resolve this tension. Um, not able to to live within the tension, but but by resolving it, and and he says, you know, like there are two ways that you can sort of resolve the uh, the tension. Um, in a certain way, you sort of you can have everybody denounce creaturely domestic life and sort of demand monasticism for for all. And he calls this the, the puritanical option. Or you can drop the expectations of eternity that place the weight of virtue on our domestic lives. That's, you can sort of just start to live with a, a purely imminent um, sense of the world, whereby all the ends of human life um, can be sort of sat- satisfied in the in the more common professions, and that you don't really need, um, you know, monks, nuns, priests um, at all. And so, perhaps some of the, the sort of, the tendency to wear the 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 cassock more often. Now I'm conscious it can sometimes be a showboating, um, but I don't think it has to be. Perhaps some of the impulse to do that is to sort of make this tension a bit more a bit more visible once more, because the Christian has to learn to live with tension, and we tend to get into narrow ways of thinking when we try and resolve every single uh, tension that there that there is. Um, so with the final part of the question, is this youthful zeal that will mature in time? Um, I think it depends in a certain sense how, uh, how, how society goes. If society becomes more religious again, then I think um, priests and, and, and religious might sort of start to blend in a little bit more. Again, um, but I think with most of the the orders that are that are attracting um, vocations and, and most of the the dioceses, they're, they're places where there's a, a strong identity, and, uh, and and some of uh, well, a lot of our identity um, is is based around the the way that we the way that we dress, how we dress says something uh, about us, um, and it also affects the way that other people relate to us. Um, our next question is, we hear in the Gospels that the disciples left everything and followed Jesus. What does this mean and how do we do it in our own lives? I'm thinking they must have had families. Did they just leave everything, including their relationships and responsibilities to those families? And another really sort of good and uh, and challenging question, and and. Yes, um the the apostles did have families. Um we hear in the in the gospels about the the healing of the uh of the mother in mother-in-law of uh of Simon Peter by by Jesus, I think. That came up in uh in in our reading of of Matthew um maybe just a, a couple of couple of weeks ago. And yes, they did uh Leave, leave behind their their their, their families, um, and that makes us feel a little bit awkward. I think um, that feels like a like an, an abandonment. But I guess a, another way of thinking about it, and this is actually quite excitingly brought out in the in the Chosen, um, a little bit an ex- excellent uh, TV series you can watch on on youtube and i'd i'd recommend um is that what what example would i set my family if christ called me to to follow to follow him and and i I didn't Um, ultimately we need only one thing that that orders all of our life we can't have two highest principles in in our in our life our first and greatest love needs to be God, and if we make it anything less than God, then actually we do our families no no favors because then we encourage them to love something less than God as their as as their as their first love. But I don't think that that means in leaving behind uh, their their families to 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 follow Jesus, like Peter, to go to Antioch, to go to to go to Rome. That it meant he abandoned his responsibilities to those families. I think the 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 communities and the societies were much much stronger that they that they lived in than our than our local communities tend to be now. Um, and I think he would have been able to to speak to you know those who was leaving behind and and, and ensure that his that his his wife. We don't know about any. Any children, um, ensured that his his wife and those who he had responsibility to were going to be cared for by others. And how do we do this in our in our own lives? Well, this isn't an an encouragement to uh, to people to to run away from their uh, husbands and wives and and join a, a monastery. The church doesn't allow you to do that. It recognizes something particular in the in the kind of the direct call um from from Jesus that the uh, the apostles and the first disciples had not the way that that our call now to priesthood or to religious life is 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 mediated by the by the church there was a directness of the of the call of of Jesus um but we can do something of what the apostles do by uh, by showing our families that we that we put Jesus first, and that we do this out of love for them, um, because loving loving Jesus first doesn't mean loving my family less. It should mean loving them more. Because when I when I love someone, I desire the very very best for them, and nothing on on earth, no earthly relationship is is as good for the ones I love as that eternal relationship of the of the love of the love of God. Um that sort of relationship which which ensures that I will be able to love them into all all eternity because we will be united in in heaven. And so I think fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents can can give a, a great example um in their families by by showing the importance of the of faith the importance of prayer and showing that it's not something we just sort of fit in when we have a moment but something that we we prioritize and that can be that maybe you sort of go and 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 visit a a sort of a church and stop in and pray when you're on the way to to somewhere else um maybe when you're sort of going on a on an excursion on a on a a sunday that you you plan it around how you're going to to get to to mass, that you you find a church that's that's on the way and that you go and maybe that you don't sort of say, oh well, we'll just go on the on the Saturday night. I don't have a problem with vigil masses, but if it, if you're going in order that you can free up Sunday, perhaps you can you can give an important witness by saying you know even on our way to our day at the beach, there doesn't look like much of a beach day here in London today, that we're going to find a church and we're going to go there in the morning and then we will head on to the to the beach and and that way we show a certain priorities. Um so thank you for those those first two questions to our um listeners. And I think this would be a good opportunity to to go to our our first music break, and if you want to f- phone in with any with any questions, then the the lines are open. The number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four. So let's move to our next um, question, which is a, another good and, and interesting one. Was Jesus handsome? I'm thinking that he should have been given. He was the Son of God. Um, it's interesting because there's in sort of the the prophet Isaiah. Um, it seems to give the impression, in fact, that the the Messiah sort of won't be won't be handsome. Um, but I I'm sort of quite a, a, a believer in the uh, the the authenticity of the of the Turin Shroud. Um I haven't studied this in, in great detail. I know we have had um somebody speak on, on Radio Maria about the Turin Shroud who knows far more than me. So if you're interested in that, you'll probably be able to find the the, the podcasts um on Spotify or whatever. Uh, provider you you use. Um but I found the the image in the Trinity very very st- sort of striking. Um and, uh, and and given that I think this is this is real, although you know nothing of my faith sort of turns upon it, um I'm inclined to think that yes, sort of Jesus was handsome and that there's something sort of fitting about him uh, being handsome uh, given that he was the, the 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 son of the son of God. Um, and the sort of, you know, the, the, spot, the spotless lamb without sort of, without blemish. Um, but I'm also sort of minded of an experience in this um, when I was at university and the way that we perceive uh, beauty. Um, and I remember when I first, uh, first first arrived at my sort of college in Cambridge and you had all the excitement of uh, meeting people and there was a a young lady who you know i first met her and i just thought she was astonishingly beautiful and then i'm I'm afraid to say that, that sort of i found her a little bit shallow and my sort of perception of her sort of physical beauty changed um as my sort of you know perception of the the sort of the, the depth of her real beauty sort of changed. And I also found myself with with other people who I'd sort of found to have sort of beautiful personalities, um, that my my perception of their physical beauty sort of altering as well. And I think that's a that's a a, a good thing. Um but there's also something true about it how a sort of a, a beautiful soul can sort of animate a, what objectively might not be be, be beautiful and uh, and make it wonderful to to look at and I, and I think especially of uh, of Mother Teresa in this in that sort of haggard sort of you know over overexposed wrinkled face and yet her, her countenance was was beautiful to to behold um, and her smile was absolutely radiant and uh, and and i think people wanted to to look at her because there was a, the, the beauty of of her soul sort of animated um everything and i think ultimately that does uh shine through that leads us in quite well into our into our next question which is do you think social media youtube twitter instagram is bad for the church i see a lot of division and sometimes nastiness being expressed there and it seems to me that a lot of youtube twitter and and instagram is is very su- superficial um that it creates uh, sort of terrible pressures around uh, around image for for people and and i think particularly for for teenage girls I, i'm reading a book at the moment sort of irreversible damage teenage girls and the and the transgender craze by a lady called abigail Schreier. Um, i think she's secular jewish she, she, i think she's definitely not 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 catholic um but it's a very interesting and and al- alarming read uh, so far and uh, and she just speaks of of what a disaster Social media has been for the teenage girls who, in the best of times, sort of experience sort of anxiety and, and and discomfort around their their bodies, particularly um during the the time of puberty, and and how sort of the online world has exacerbated that. And there's just one sort of paragraph that that, that I want to to share with you from that. Um, she she quotes a, a very interesting sociologist and. Um, Jen Twenge, who who writes about the different generations, and I've read several of her books, but she wrote in The Atlantic, it's not an exaggeration to describe iGen, that's the generation who who grew up with smartphones, as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. Much of this deterioration can be traced to their phones. The iPhone was released in 2007. By 2018, a decade later, 95% of teens had access to a smartphone. And 45% reported being online almost constantly. Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all very popular with teens, host a wide array of visual tutorials and pictorial inspiration to self harm, anorexia, um, sort of tagged as thinspiration or thin spo, cutting and suicide. Posting one's experiences with any of these afflictions offers the chance to win hundreds, even thousands of followers. Anorexia, cutting, and suicide have all spiked dramatically since the arrival of the smartphone. Pretty alarming uh stuff. And I think the sort of the questioner um maybe was asking sort of, you know, is it just sort of bad for the bad for the church? Um, and I think yeah, the sort of the, the online world sort of is just I, I think of the uh the the philosopher Marshall Marshall McLuhan who said the uh the message is the, or the medium is the message. Um, what he means by that is that certain forms of communication start to dictate the way that we communicate. Um, so if you're using Twitter and, uh, and a very limited number of characters, then sort of nuance becomes um, very, very difficult. And also sort of Twitter relies on you being sort of re- retweeted and therefore sort of controversy um, becomes attractive, or, you know that which really excites a, a reaction in people. And if a if a if a medium encourages sort of n- lack of nuance and and controversy, then I don't think it's it's good. And I think it the online world does that both within within communities, within the community of the church, and more broadly within our society. And uh, I was thinking this this morning that you know what would the what would the devil change if he wanted to make sort of social media uh a more effective weapon for the the turning of people against one another and i'm not really sure what he would add um you have the pornification of of society um the the massive sort of se- sexualization and the easy access to, to pornography that there is and and you have the the People turning being encouraged to to belong to to tribes and to and to view the other sort of tribes as 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 inherently hostile and and, and enemies. And I think there is something sort of hellish about uh, about the online world now. And that doesn't mean that there aren't bits of good in it, and that there aren't really um, you know useful uh, sites to to look at. But I think we have to be very careful as a, as, a, as a church that the reason that we have a presence in the online world is to be at the gates of hell and to direct people out of it. Um, not in order to say, this is a good place to be spending your time. Look, we're here, um, hang hang around. Um, because there's just too many sort of malign influences there and so i'd say particularly with um with with parents and their and their children your child is not entitled to to sort of privacy in what they do online um, once upon a time you know there would have been one television set in a in a house um, or maybe once upon a time just one radio and uh, and the parents would have Listen to what the children wanted to watch, or listen to, um, but ultimately decided what what goes on. Just because your child can sort of have a have a have a phone now and watch whatever they want to, doesn't mean that you should let them watch what they they want to. And you might get into into battles, um, but those are, are battles that are that are worth having in order to avoid exposing them to to real evil, to real harm, to to people who wish to to lead them astray, whether out of out of malice or whether in their in their own hurt, um, that they wish to sort of bring others into that into that hurt. And so I'd say that the presence of the of the church should be to to bring people in the in virtual reality should to be to to bring people back into into reality. And the and the kind of next question links into that. Following up on this, are there any Catholic channels that you would recommend? Um, I presume that that the person who wrote this question meant to are there are there any Catholic channels um, as well as Radio Maria that you would recommend? Because obviously that would be my my first recommendation. I think there is something beautiful about um, about about radio, and uh, as I've sort of started contributing to Radio Maria and, and then becoming priest director again, I've, I've rediscovered my my love of radio, which I used to have when I was uh, young and at, at school. And I would listen to sort of hours of talk radio, um, going through so many batteries on my on my Walkman um, at at night in my in my dormitory at at, at school. Um, and radio is is really intimate and and beautiful. But I'd recommend anything from from Word on Fire and from Bishop Barron and and all, all his collaborators. And and one of the great things about Word on Fire and Bishop Barron is. Uh, is the way actually so many lay people are a part of his uh, apostolate and that it could quite easily exist um, without him. Um, and so there's a wide variety of of brilliant voices there. And and I'm also a, a big fan of um of Father Father Mike Schmitz, um, who I think is really really good. And I'd recommend watching the um, excellent videos on on YouTube. Uh, Produced by uh, Maria and, and, and Peter Peter Jones, um, who've been on Credo, I believe their YouTube channels called one of one of nine, and they're just beautifully um, produced sort of you know interviews slash documentaries about about family life and and I just feel them a, a, an absolute joy to watch. So I'd really really recommend those to our to our listeners. Um, I think now would be a, a good time to to go to another music break. Um if you if you have any questions, please do call in on zero one two two three three seven five five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four. Um I've got time I have to I have to go to a, a meeting of university chaplains today, so I have to the show has to be a little, a little bit shorter than it would normally be so I've got time for one more question We've plenty of questions to to get through that that uh, listeners have emailed in but I'd really love to have a, a live question part of that beauty of of radio He's called in. Helena, thank you for calling. You're through to Father Toby. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Father Toby. Father Toby, uh, we're about to begin our, the catechist at our parish in St. Lawrence and the First Communion group starting, the Confirmation group starting. And every year, uh, God bless them, the, the parents, they are you have those families that my question about the time we're asking their children to dedicate to these programs do you have any words of advice to us catechists on how to to respond to these uh, disagreements or how to keep our heads held high about it? Yeah, like that's a, it's a really tricky tricky one. Like I th- I think sometimes we we need to sort of take a take a a, a difficult stand and at the same time sort of understand the, the pressures of of people's life so you know if people say oh well I, you know i shouldn't have to um to to come to this or or, the, or that and um you know my child should just be able to to get the the sacraments i don't see why I have to sort of you know go through all this preparation um you know when johnny um made his confirmation he didn't have to do this you know why, why does jessica have to do this now and um, and and part of the answer, although you might not want to be so blunt in giving it that way, is like because you, Johnny, and Jessica don't curr- currently come to church every week, so clearly what we did with Johnny didn't work, and we need to do something more rigorous with with Jessica. but that that's the reality that we' sort of in many parishes realizing that we've we're trying to move from a, a failed model of of catechesis and, and really a failed model of evangelization. Um, mm. to something which does work. And we and we have to remember that 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 Jesus as he preached the gospel would not water down the message and uh, and allowed people to, to to walk away. And particularly with the 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 bread of life sort of discourse where we sort of hear in, in John he says, you know, if you do not eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you shall have no part in me. And we're told that many people said this teaching is is very hard and, and and walked away and, and Jesus didn't say no guys, guys I, you know didn't mean what you what you, what you think I meant. I imagine he felt sadness as he as he as he saw them walk walk away. Now, we do have to be really sensitive to the the circumstances of of people's lives, you know, particularly those trapped in in wage poverty and and actually just that somebody might not realistically be able to attend um the sessions at the time that we have them not because they're prioritizing something else um but because they simply have to work to to make ends meet um and that should be a bit of a you know clarion call to us not just to sort of be more flexible with our catechesis for that particular couple but but how actually as a church community might we might we help get these people out of sort of you know uh, a cycle of just permanently being trapped trying to make ends meet what what might i do what might we as a as a church do to 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 make these people's lives um easier um but the biggest thing i think is as as catechists that you need to to try and do is to is to teach parents to to pray and to get them praying with their their children at home um, because ultimately the the domestic church is where it all starts. Catechesis gives us a chance to sort of like mould and instruct that domestic church, and to teach people to to pray who have never prayed before. There's a very good um credo with Georgia Clark, um who hopefully will um, come back on, and and she speaks about her experience of uh, being a, a catechist and of and of teaching sort of parents to set up a a prayer corner in their house and to make a regular time of prayer where where they they lead their children um in prayer. Also on the, the sort of one one of nine um YouTube video series that I that I mentioned, there are there are lots of examples there of the way that sort of families have found of of praying together and of making that that time of prayer an, an important thing. So we have we have to show people that 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 God God comes. God comes first. Um, but show them how that how they can do that within the the reality of their of their life, um, and be conscious of the difference between you know. Well, I need to work a double shift um, in order to pay the rent versus um, you know I'm prioritising uh, you know Julia's karate class um, and can't miss that. Well, Church is more important than the karate class, um, and at a certain point, we have we have to make people realise that. Amen. That's helpful. Oh, it is, and it's encouraging. And I, am ready. and, uh, and excited. Yeah. Thanks, Father Toby. But we shouldn't we shouldn't want people to to walk away, you know. And yeah. we desperately don't want that. But we, it is not our job to keep everybody there regardless of the cost to the sort of catechesis program that we're that we're that we're trying that we're trying to do amen thank you father toby okay god bless you um i uh i i pray for all all catechists it's a it's a really challenging job and a really really okay. Im, important important one um and so yeah please please pray for pray for for all catechists and um I'm going to draw the the show to to an end um, here today, and uh, I'm I'm just going to offer as we as we close a, a Hail Mary for all those all those catechists. Um, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I wish all our listeners a very blessed day. We're gonna have some music now and then we will go to the to the mass at, at Walsingham at, at twelve, I believe. And if I'm wrong, Elizabeth will, will jump in and, and, and correct me. Um but lots lots more wonderful programming to stay listening to today. God bless you all. Thank you, Father Toby. And just a reminder that you can email in at any time uh to questions at radio Maria England dot uk with your questions and Uh, Father Toby will answer them. Thank you for joining us today.